You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to preview Eagles Commander's Take Two with Jamal Forrest, writer for Hogshaven and host of the Trap or Dive podcast. Fantastic Commander's analyst will be on to join us and talk about what's been going on with the Commanders since we last saw them at Lincoln Financial Field just a few weeks ago when the Eagles escaped by the skin of their teeth. We'll also take a look at the updated NFC standings after the Thursday night loss by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and where the Eagles stand. I give you a hint. It's on top. And we'll also take a look at some of this weekend's games as well involving some of the uh, top tier NFC teams. All that coming up on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Well, this is take two, Eagles versus Commanders. Last time around, the Commanders really scared the crap out of the Eagles and almost pulled off a victory at Lincoln Financial Field, but uh, the Eagles found a way to get it done. But uh, what will things be like this Sunday afternoon in Washington, D.C.? And joining me to talk about this second matchup between these two division rivals, good friend of the podcast, Jamal Forrest, of course, writer for Hogshaven and host of the Trap or Drive podcast. You want to learn more about the Commanders and what's going on with the Washington's football team, make sure you check out that podcast as you want to get a little bit more intel on the enemy. That's where you go to do that. Jamal, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? Yes, sir. I'm doing good, John. appreciate you for having me, big dog. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's always a pleasure. No one knows that football team more than you. And as I was saying the last time we talked, the commanders really put a scare into this football team. It, it sure seemed like uh, it sure seemed like the Eagles were, were going to go down. I mean, I couldn't believe Sam Howell driving them the length of the field, scoring a touchdown with one second remaining. And then I couldn't believe Ron Rivera didn't go for two uh, to try to win the football game and, and gave the Eagles a chance to win it in overtime, which they ended up doing. Three games have passed. The Commanders are 1-2 and two since then. Uh, they had a, I thought was a letdown game against the Bears on that Thursday night. You know, you come home after maybe the best game they've played in a long time against an Eagles football team that they almost beat. I think they were feeling good about themselves. I think they had kind of a letdown in that game against a Bears team that came in winless and looked toothless, and I think they were surprised. It was a short week. I thought that was just a weird game. I didn't really take anything away from that game. Then they beat the Falcons in what was a very ugly game. No team really deserved to win that game from, as, from what I saw from it. And then they lose to the Giants last week where the offense really struggled. So in these last three weeks, what's been going on there? Well, um, you you got to gotta dial it back even further than the last three weeks. Um, I, I think part of our conversation even heading into the Philadelphia game was just trying to get the tone or, or the sense of who the commanders were in 2023. And, and, and some of that conversation still exists uh after we lost to the Eagles. Um, now, 
whether or not you win or lose in that Philly game, get, given the context of it, like you're going back mm-hmm. and forth, you have a chance to win. Um, you are in overtime, you have a chance to win with the ball, getting the ball first, all that stuff. Um, like whether or not you win or lose, like that's besides the point. I think the major overarching thing for the 2023 season is like they are exactly how you outlined it. Like I wouldn't mask over the problems against the Bears, right? Every single game this year, maybe excluding the Philadelphia game, and that's that's probably it. You found a way to trail leaving the first quarter or the second half of the game. I mean, excuse me, the first quarter or the second first half of the for the first half of the game. I don't know how I butchered that. <laughs> but the first quarter or the first half of the football game, and you're you're finding ways to 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 get off to slow starts. You're consistently getting off to slow starts. The Philadelphia game was an anom- anomaly. I did say one of the biggest things that I thought between the Bills and the Eagles game is that I thought they had a better chance of winning, uh, splitting the two, but they had a better chance of beating the Eagles. And it's because it's a familiar opponent, right? But it's also like you have um, years of tape on these guys and for a, a coach in Eric Bieniemy, who, why he hasn't been around long enough to really get the grasp of who Philadelphia is from a, a week-to-week basis or even a divisional basis. Like he played them a few months ago in the Super Bowl. And then... Like, some of these players are still the same from, from a year ago in terms of the Washington roster. But Chicago, you're down 17-3 before the first quarter even before the first quarter is over. Um, Atlanta, uh, you, you had ways to lose that game if Desmond Ritter doesn't find a way to turn the ball over several times against you all. And boom, like, you escape the win. Um, you get off to a good start, essentially, right? But you escape with a win because, like, Atlanta is in a position where they fumble all over themselves. They throw up all over themselves. And then, boom, New York. You're down 14 nothing. And for people who've been following the team, right, from a, a week-in and week-out standpoint, no, that lead, while you can overcome it in theory, the way that they're playing is not too unfamiliar with the way they started seasons – excuse me, started games throughout this season – and that's kind of where Washington gets in trouble consistently. So when we talk about what what has gone wrong since the Eagles game, um, I would I wouldn't say it's something that had went wrong. It's something that has gone on throughout this entire season. The only difference between the first two games and the game against the Philadelphia Eagles, first two games when Washington went off two and zero, and in the Philadelphia Eagles game, that Arizona and Denver aren't good football teams, and mm-hmm. they're somehow yeah. worse than Washington, and and that's where things kind of kind of start to get skewed a little bit right um and, and that's that's the unfortunate truth uh, I, I think washington is in that uh mediocre pack of football teams but they're like on the low end of mediocre uh, you're talking about a coach who who is mediocre and ron rivera um jack del rio is is sticking to his scheme for you know and, and i don't I, like if you won't go down right go down on your shield i, I respect it like i don't it's i can we can kind of see like some issues right yeah, how things have changed with that defense, but he's going down on his show. He's sticking to his scheme. Um, you're now talking about a situation where Montez Sweat and Chase Young are my trade are mixed trade talks, but Montez Sweat actually has a, a offer on the table from another team, undisclosed. All all of that is undisclosed, so we don't know the offer. We don't know which team it is, but he has a firm offer on the table for Washington. Um, so he has a, a a very good chance of anybody to consider being traded. He has a very good chance of being traded. Um, and then there's other talks in there in terms of like other players. Chase Young hasn't, he doesn't have an offer on the table or anything, but there's other things that can potentially come up. Jacoby Brissett, like, do you want to trade him at the sack rate that Sam Howell is going? Um, <laughs> like what is the, what is the end goal for this season now? Because you kind of see the trend in which it's going. Uh, you win some, you lose some, but more times than not, you look embarrassingly, um, uh, 
bad in some of your losses, but then you're also yeah. in a situation where your wins are like, how the hell did y'all win this football game? <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's what that that's what this stuff looks like for for these guys, and it's un, it's unfortunate. But like as the season goes along, you realize you're only in week seven. You got the Philadelphia Eagles up next, and while you had, you played them close last last time, now you're in a situation where um they sure you know them and sure you got a home game, but guess what? It's not going to be a home game. Like we know that already. It's it's yeah. going to be packed out with Philadelphia Eagles fans. It's like a another another home game for Philly. Um, and then you're talking about fighting against the crowd, and you got to overcome a, a a terrible loss against the New York Giants. Um, in this spot, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, they have the people who, to to really disrupt and cause chaos defensively for for the Washington Commanders' offense. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long day, man. It's not gonna be as sweet as that first matchup. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the individual matchups here in just a second, but I, I think you're kind of hitting on something that I wanted to ask you about, and that is that if the Commanders continue to be stuck in no man's land here, which they are, the Commanders are stuck in no man's land. They're not, they're not so terrible that they're going that they're in line to get a, a top five pick at the moment, where you could potentially get a quarterback, a franchise quarterback for the future. But at the same time, they're they're also you can see the talent gap between the upper echelon teams and a team like the Commanders, who if everything goes right, maybe finishes a game over five hundred and maybe sneaks in and grabs the last wild card spot and and probably either loses in the wild card round. But I mean there's just there's a ceiling on on where the commanders can can go here. And so I guess the question is, do you know enough about Sam Howell at this point to say and the and the direction of where this team is going right now to say let's just cut bait I've heard some of the talk radio here in DC saying stuff like this let's just cut bait on this season let's trade everyone we can trade let's pile up the losses let's get a top five pick and let's really start the rebuild here let's really blow this thing up and start from scratch what do you make of that is that is it the right time to do that um yeah it, it it's for, for all right, let's let's kind of look at it from two different lenses then. Um, for Ron, who is trying to like show a certain light for new ownership, right? You're you're talking about a person who is trying to and for the excuse me and for the players and for the the assistant coaches and the coordinators. Like Ron is the main person that's trying to you know impress the owner because obviously he has a job to do he has to win he has to show that like his what he's doing is working but um so they're they're from him from his standpoint that's that's one way then from everybody else under him and just from a week to week standpoint they're not worried about the future they're worried about right now and right now is I need to try and win this game I need to try and win this Philadelphia game that's coming up, right? Even in this pressure, like it was so confusing. You mentioned Sam Howe, Sam Howe, and then on his Monday presser, uh, a day after you get embarrassed by the New York Giants, who was down several offensive linemen that was starting for them, who like had a very predictable in terms of what you can expect for the defense, not necessarily like game plan wise, um, but what you can expect from a Wink Martindale defense. Like he lay his car, he lays his cards out on the table, and you look severely unprepared. Um, from that standpoint, you, you go from like trying to figure out what's going on with this, what, what happened from this game from a film standpoint. And he tells you that a reminder, this season was all about developing Sam Howe. And I think he's done some good things. Well, you just got, you got whooped against the giants and it was only 14 to seven. And we know that you got whooped. So can we address the, the elephant in the room and stop trying to spin 
like the people that you're talking to, the public, the media, like, can we be honest here for a second? And then he goes on and says from, from transitioning about developing Sam Howe this season to, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not even sure. Like if he plays well, we'll, we'll keep him in, but, um, I can't guarantee that he might, he may be the future. I mean, he may be the starter for all 17 games. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so for, for, for Ron, while like in, in the grand scheme of things, they are focused on a week to week standpoint with, this team and, and with uh, trying to win football games and, and, and holding that sense of things that that makes all the sense in the world to try and keep going and moving forward uh, and, and things like that. But when you look at it from outside of a Ron perspective and, and whatever his, his objective is for the season. Yeah. I'm not, I, I said it even on, on the podcast, uh, Trevor dive that I'm not in this space where I think that even more than 20% of the roster deserves to be here next year. Like everybody or, or a lot of people are expendable. Like if you think about your core commanders, you as in like the people I was talking to, um, the fans, like if you think about your core commanders that you would take into a new regime, who would they be? And you're coming up with probably like anywhere between 12 to 15 people on a 53 man roster. Like and, and those 12 to 15 people are starters and also potential death pieces like they're not all starters so like that's that's literally the the nature of this roster right now uh given like the state in which they're in like this is not a a a very strong roster and sure you can make an argument from a person who follows the team well they i think they're good but their coordinators or their coaching isn't that good okay well if you if you want to go that route and you want to stick around with these players and not think about a severe overhaul be my guest but I will gladly entertain a rebuild, a full reset on on these guys. I will entertain if you get offers, decent offers from front for for role players. I will entertain moving these guys. If you get a mm-hmm. a very enticing offer that can really set the future of your franchise up for for potential success, I would entertain that offer. Right? Um, I would choose between Sweat and Chase. Like if you get two offers from, or you get an offer for each of them, I would entertain. Uh, both of them, but I will evaluate which one do I want to keep for a long term. I wouldn't trade mm-hmm. both of them, um, but that's kind of how this whole thing goes. Like it's not, it's not a good state right now, unfortunately. But you also have to think of it from the perspective of the coaches. They, they are trying to win, regardless of how confusing they are in in their press conferences and how uh, <laughs> how avoidant they are of accountability in in their in their press conferences. They are trying to win, um, and then from a, a, a team standpoint, from a future standpoint. This roster ain't as good as you thought it was. And for you to be in year four, uh, failing in which the way you are, it's not about the fact that you're three and four. It's how you're losing. Um, that That is problematic. And and yeah. that's where, like, you would think about the future if you're not the coaches. Like, yo, y'all y'all might need to start thinking about moving some of these guys because it's time it's time to reset, man. You, you got a defense. This is the last thing. I'm sorry. But you got a defense that's 29th <laughs> in, in yards and points allowed. Like, yeah. That that is that was supposed to be your backbone of it going into the season for an offense who was just developing and you had a young quarterback, and and that kind of is proof to the pudding that you you have over uh evaluate excuse me over uh what's it called overrated you, you maybe you too or? much yes thank you you overrated and and and, and the, the 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 strength of your team and, and that's yeah. that's unfortunate. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think uh, th- there was uh, some hope that Eric Bieniemy would come in and transform the offense, but it's hard to transform the offense when you can't keep the quarterback off the ground. And the Commanders have allowed 40 sacks this year, which is most in the NFL. That's on pace for 97 sacks in a season. Of course, it's a 17-game season, but that would still be second most in NFL history behind the 86 Eagles, who allowed an incomprehensible 104 sacks that year. Yeah, I know, right? It's just unbelievable. Um, but, uh, but you know, so that's where the commanders are going, and it's I guess it's hard to evaluate Sam Howell and whether or not he can be the future if if, if he can't stand up, if, he, if he's under pressure, and he's going to be coming up against maybe the best defensive line in football this week with the Eagles in the way that they're playing. Hassan Reddick getting the cast off has completely opened things up for him. Josh Sweat, and then you have those guys in the middle who are, who are doing it every single game, and I think Sean Desai has done a tremendous job in the in the back half of the defense mixing and matching safeties and linebackers and now he goes out and he gets Bayard this weekend uh, this week to, to solidify a, the, the safety spot which just makes everything so much more stable back there I just it's it's hard to see how you can get an accurate picture of what Sam Howell is and what he can do if the offensive line can't keep him upright six four nine Five, 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 and six. Um, sure, I, I didn't really put any context to that, but but if I give those you those numbers, what what do you think? What do you think that is? I'm thinking those are the sacks by week. There has not been a single week this year, John, where he has been sacked less than four times in a game. Um, and last week against the New York, matter of fact, let's rewind. Against the Chicago Bears is where you started facing a string of three teams where they were struggling to get pressure and get home to the quarterback. And of those three games, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, matter of fact, New York was the one team who only had five sacks on the season and four of them were by one player. New York got six. Atlanta I don't remember exact numbers, but they had around the same, a similar a similar number, very small sack number. They get five. Chicago, I think, had like three, three or four. They got five. Um, I, I don't disagree with, with your assessment in terms of, like, it's going to be hard to truly evaluate Sam. But I think, um, I, I, and, and I, I agree to an extent, I, I think it's hard, especially when you have uh, interior pressure because it's harder for him to navigate um, you know, and then he, he has a habit of like taking his eyes down, taking his eyes off of downfield. And, um, when he sees that rush, he, he, he's all, he's automatically looking for ways to get out of the pocket. Um, I don't necessarily blame him in a sense, but at same, sometimes like the, the habit of doing so you are unable to really process what you're seeing downfield when you can make a, like a quick read, right. Or you can really yeah. see a, a route pattern develop or route concepts or route combinations develop. And that kind of gets him in trouble because you miss so much. Um, sometimes instead of sitting in the pocket and, and seeing uh, a dump off, you know, he, he locks in on a receiver downfield on the second or third level that gets him in trouble. So like, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like it's, it's like all on the offensive line because the offensive line, you know, it, it, it hasn't been like great. It hasn't been very good. It's, it's like, Average and approaching below average at this point. And it's, mm-hmm. it's to the point where they're actually considering making changes. You may see um, Tyler Larson at center uh, as opposed to Nick Gates. Uh, you may see um, Ricky Stromberg, our rookie third rounder from Arkansas, who was drafted to play center, mind you, uh, John. And now he play, he may be playing left guard for, for Washington 
because Ron Rivera is so adamant on positional versus positional flex or whatever that you mm-hmm. drafted a, a center in the third round and, and said, I don't even want like he's he's third string center. Like, why do you why did you draft him if you're not gonna play a third rounder? Yeah. Um so so like the offensive line is in a in a midst of uh, possibly transforming and, and to this point in which we're recording, I can't even tell you who is going to be like the, the new lineup. Um but but Larson may be the one change for sure at center. But point being, like you're talking about the offensive line is not that good, but you're talking about Sam Howell who while he's developing and, and he's getting he's becoming uh this seasoned NFL quarterback, it's take, it's gonna take some time. Uh, he's also a person who is holding the offense back in his own right. And that's that's where it comes from, like the processing and being able to navigate a pocket, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, people will love to excuse him, but you also have to accept the fact that quarterback is a hard job. So you can't find a way to continuously, continuously make excuses for, not you, people. Uh, I understand. <laughs> make, yeah, make excuses for, for Sam when like part of the job is doing the right things. And it's going to take some time. But you have to understand what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong in the moment and understanding how that's contributing to the problem. So it's like that's where conversations about Jacoby Brissett I mentioned earlier, where you're like, do you think that he can do a better job right now? And a person in Ron Rivera's shoes who was thinking about winning this season, he might be the one who says, I I might have to make a quarterback move. Not that it's right, but like that's kind of the way things go. So. Uh, Sam needs to. I think he's earned the right to sit here and, and 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 play all 17 games. He's shown some flashes just as a passer that you haven't seen much from here. But you have to find a way to mitigate this sack issue, especially from the enemy, who is a person that's passing it over 60 yeah. percent of the time in the run pass ratio. I, I just don't get it. And a couple quick thoughts just before we wrap up here. Um, some of the things that went right for the Commanders in, in that game against the Eagles a few weeks ago, matching up Terry McLaurin in the slot against Josiah Scott. It looks like they'll have a similar matchup advantage if they want to uh, on Sunday afternoon. And, and Washington's defensive line was was very good in that first game against Philadelphia, making life difficult for Jalen Hurts. And we know Hurts is dealing with a little bit of a knee problem. We don't know the really the extent of it. It hasn't limited him in practice, so he's playing through it. But um, we'll see how it all shakes out here on Sunday afternoon. Before I let you go, Jamal, just give me a quick prediction for what you what you expect to see on Sunday. Oh, good lord. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so, so I, I think Philadelphia wins it. Um, I think the spread right now, as far as I know, I think it was like six and a half still. Um, mm-hmm. this is probably one of those games where I think Philly comes in and covers. Um, this is going to be a uh, people think it's going to be close because that's just kind of the nature of Washington. Um, I think this is probably one where uh, you all win this one a little bit more convincingly. Um, you have a second time around with Sam Howell. You have some tape of like the last three games of how Washington mm-hmm. moves offensively um, since you all played them. Um, I-, I think this is going to be an area where Philadelphia has the advantage the second time around. Um, so I- I'll probably say uh, Philadelphia wins, let's say, 27 to 13. Yeah, sounds about right. I think it's funny. These last few years, um, there'll be one game where Washington plays the Eagles really, really tough and tight and usually and sometimes wins that game. And then there's the other game, the Eagles win very comfortably sometimes in a route. And um, they, they played the close one already this year, and, and the Eagles were able to find a way to pull it out. So uh, we'll see if this Sunday is uh, is uh, a little a little less comfortable or more comfortable for, for Eagles fans and for Commanders fans. And anyway, we'll be watching. It's the early game once again. Eagles and Commanders playing at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon at FedEx Field. And make sure that you're following Jamal Forrest and Hogs Haven and listening to his Trap or Drive podcast. Jamal, thanks Tra- for coming Trapper. back on... 
Trap or dive, big dog. Like trap the, or like dive. The, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mistyped on my on my little sheet here. Nah, that's, that's my bad. Good. That's nah, my yeah, bad. It's all good. Trap or dive podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, I on the yeah. enemy of listeners. That's what you want to. That's where you want to go. <laughs> Jamal, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Always, man. Appreciate you. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, as the Eagles get ready to take on the Commanders, let's get a quick look at the NFC standings. And, of course, the Birds are up on top at 6-1 and one, following San Francisco's stunning loss last Sunday to the uh, last Monday night, pardon me, to the Minnesota Vikings. Just a tremendous performance from Kirk Cousins in that game, an eye-opening performance by Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's the best. That might be the best game I've ever seen him play. And the 49ers' defense was all over him. You know, the defensive line was was making his life miserable, but uh, they just they had an answer. Kirk Cousins had so many escapes, especially in the fourth quarter, to continue scoring drives and keep the 49ers off the field. It was really unbelievable. And Brock Purdy has kind of come crashing back to life here over these last two weeks against the Browns and against the Vikings. Now, it, he, he apparently suffered a concussion trying to do the tush push in that game against the Vikings and yet stayed in the game. So something that the NFL head trauma committee, whatever it's called, is going to have to take a look at because that's not good. But you wonder how much that affected him late in the game when he threw those killer interceptions and sent the 49ers to their second straight loss. I mean, I didn't think we'd see the 49ers lose two games in a row all season. And here they are at 5-2, and two, tied with the Detroit Lions. Right now, the Lions are the second seed by virtue of a better conference record than the 49ers, who are sitting at number three, with the Atlanta Falcons as the number four seed, the leaders in the NFC South at 4-3. and three. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that team stinks. That team is lousy. I've watched them play. I watched them play the Commanders a couple of weeks ago, and they were brutal. So that is an awful division. There's going to be a bad team that comes out of the NFC South, and right now it looks like it's the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys would be the two wildcard teams, or two of the three wildcard teams into the mix. I keep forgetting now we do seven playoff teams. Both those teams are four and two. Uh, Dallas was on the bye last week, and the Minnesota Vikings, thanks to their win over San Francisco, would be the last team in at three and four. 
four, but there are a number of teams sitting at three and four. The Rams, the Bucks, the Commanders, and the Saints all at three and four right now. So a crowded a crowded group at three and four there. And that will obviously shake out here over the next uh, few weeks as we see which of those teams can maintain their status as a wild card contender. But first, they got to get over 500. And as we're looking at the list of games here on Sunday, uh, a couple we'll certainly be keeping an eye on. A tough matchup for the Cowboys at home. The the Rams, you know, Eagles beat the Rams a couple of weeks ago. It was it was seen as a as a pretty good win. Matthew Stafford right now is playing at a very very high level, and he's got some talented players at his disposal. Uh, L. A goes into Dallas for a one o'clock start time. That's kind of a tough ask for the Rams. Uh, that's going to be, you know, anytime you have a West Coast team going to the East Coast, or I guess it's not the East Coast necessarily. The Cowboys are on Central Time, I think. Uh, yeah, they'd have to be there in Texas for crying out loud. You, nevertheless, the game will start at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, which would be 12 o'clock Central Time, but to the Rams' body clock, 10 a.m., uh, their time, and so that's a tough road for the for the Rams to go into Dallas. I think the Cowboys will win that game, but that's a tough matchup for the Cowboys too. The Rams can play a little bit of ball. Uh, you have the Vikings against the Packers in a one o'clock start. The Vikings looking to build on Monday night's win uh, against the 49ers, and the Packers just are not very good. That is a game that Kirk Cousins should win, of course. I don't and, and I, I talk about letdown games quite a bit. You're going into Green Bay. That's a divisional rival. I don't think you're going to see a letdown game there. Although I do think that game will be pretty close. The Saints at three and four are in Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Uh, I like the Saints in that one. The Colts just have some things missing. Uh, I think I don't love the Saints. I don't love Derek Carr, but I think I think the Saints go in there and win that one. The New York Giants will be hosting the New York Jets. Really, it's a a home team for a home game for both teams, and I think the Jets win that one. And uh, looking further down the list here. You've got the Falcons at 4-3 and three in Tennessee to take on the Titans. I like Tennessee in this one. Many reasons. I, I think the Falcons stink. I think Desmond Ritter stinks. I, he's, he, that, that's a that's a loud... Bijan Robinson can play, but that team is... That that is that team is a a fraud, but so are the other teams in that division. But I think going into Tennessee, that'll be a tough out of conference game uh, for the Falcons to to try and win. Uh, good game at 4:05. Uh, the Seahawks and the Browns. It doesn't sound sexy, but both those teams at four and two. The Browns defense is kind of leading the way for them. Uh, Geno Smith playing well still in Seattle. It's a home game for the Seahawks. I do like Seattle to win that game and move to five and two on the season. Uh, and then here's a. The 49ers have another tough game ahead of them. They're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals at 3-3, three and three, and this is a game the Bengals really, really need. They need to start piling up some wins. Uh, it looks like Brock Purdy will clear the concussion protocol, and he will play on Sunday. That will help, but of course he is still without Debo Samuel. And that we are seeing is is, is a big loss for for Brock. He doesn't have that he doesn't have that security blanket, that playmaker to go to there. I'm picking the Bengals. To hand the 49ers their third straight loss, I'm, I'm seeing some cracks in the Brock Purdy armor here, and I know the, the the 49ers have a really good team. The Bengals have a really good team, and they've underachieved so far this year. I'm calling for the upset there. I think Cincinnati goes into San Francisco and handles business, takes care of the 49ers in that one. And then uh, finally, on Monday night, uh, you have the Sunday night game, which is the Bears and the Chargers at 2-5 and five versus 2-4 and four team. Uh, 
NBC has got to be ruining the day they put that one on the schedule. Monday night, the Lions host the Raiders. Uh, the Lions looking to come back off of their blowout loss to the Baltimore Ravens uh, last week uh, as they host a 3-4 and four Las Vegas team that, again, is also not very good. The Lions should win that game pretty comfortably. But that's what the schedule is looking like here with for your, your, your main competition in the NFC. And, of course, let me get to my Eagles prediction. I don't think this is going to be a terribly close game. I do think the Eagles, this could be their first blowout win of the season. Like Jamal mentioned, it's going to be a pretty friendly crowd there in, in Washington. Commanders fans do not come out in force, especially when, when the Eagles are in town. So I think it'll be a, a pro-Eagles crowd. It'll kind of be like a like a home feel type of a game for Philadelphia. And like I said, these two teams, when they play every year, the Eagles usually dominate one game. Like last year when they dominated Carson Wentz and sacked him, what was it? seven times, nine times. I don't remember exactly how many it was. And then the commanders came into Philadelphia and beat them. And the commanders came into Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago and made the Eagles look very pedestrian. It was a, it was a nerve wracking game, uh, but the Eagles managed to, to pull it off and managed to win. I think this is a blowout. I think the Eagles win this game pretty comfortably. I don't think it's terribly close. I think the Eagles handle the commanders 30 to 14. Uh, it should be a good day on the ground. I think for the Eagles, I think Deandre Swift, he's been very quiet these last couple of weeks. I think we see a Deandre Swift game here. I think he runs for over a hundred yards. I think uh, Jalen hurts throws for 250 yards. I think the Eagles finally stopped turning the ball over in this one, and I think they get, uh, I think they get uh, another three or four sacks on Sam Howell, if not more than that. And I think the Eagles win the turnover battle. I think this is going to be a fun game on Sunday for us to watch. I don't think there's going to be a lot of stress involved. At least I hope there won't be a lot of stress involved. Uh, and the Eagles win this thing 30 to 14. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Want to remind you, continue to read BleedingGreenNation.com every day. We've got the very latest on everything going on with this football team there. And if you are on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, you will see a cornucopia of podcasts at your disposal. Try to listen to them all. Take the BGN challenge, all right? Try to listen to every Bleeding Green Nation podcast during the course of the week. Let me know if you were able to do that. Go into the Bleeding Green Nation uh, 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 in Apple Podcasts. Go to the, the, the comments and the review section and let me know. John, I listened to all the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts last week. Maybe maybe I can work with some of the folks here, and we can we can hand out a prize or something like that. I don't I don't know, but you gotta you gotta give us you gotta give us some kind of proof that that you listen to all the podcasts. But anyway, that's the BGN challenge, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast challenge. Try to listen to them all. We're 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 blocking out the sun with podcast content here right now, uh, as we as we cover the best team in the NFC, and some would say the best team in football right now, your Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. BGN. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.